Hi, and welcome back to the Medicine Encompassed podcast. I'm Indy, your podcast initiative co-lead. For those of you who don't know, Medicine Encompassed is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that provides numerous opportunities oriented towards the integration of STEAM and medicine and aims to produce content and offer a multitude of services to underprivileged and underserved students. The podcast is our initiative to explore medicine through an informative audio format. Hello everyone, my name is Megan Lauren. I am a freshman at Oxford Academy in California and I am the surgery committee leader at Medicine Encompassed and I also am a podcast audio engineer. But today I am a podcast host and freshman just for you international people, I think that is year 10. So I'd like to introduce to you my special guest, Alyssa Wong. Hi, my name is Alyssa. I'm a year 11 slash grade 10 student. So Megan was right with her translation of the year groups in Hammer International School in Hong Kong. I'm a podcast initiative co-lead and the lead audio engineer of this podcast. Also, that accent. A lot of teachers at my school are British, plus my mom grew up in London and she never lost the accent. So this is why I speak like this. Well, we all appreciate it though, because it's such a fancy accent and we love it. Okay, so I think now is a good time to get to business. First thing that we're going to be talking about is why we both decided to join Medicine Encompassed or as Alyssa likes to call it, our superhero origin story, which (laughs) I think is appropriate. So as I said before, I am the surgery committee leader at Medicine Encompass. So I oversee all of the surgical things that we do over here. So we make resources and we do articles about the various different fields of surgery, as well as different surgical procedures. So if you're interested in that, you should apply and join surgery. (laughs) And also, I am, like I said, an audio engineer. So what I do is I'm the person going behind all of these episodes and listening to it for like four or five hours um, and editing everything, making sure that everything's clean. So what about you, Alyssa? Yeah, same to the um, editing thing, but this time I'll be on the other end. I'll have to edit my own voice. And so basically I'll be cutting out all the bits where we just like dissolve into laughter or say completely unrelated things to the topic. Usually when I'm editing, I'm just thinking, oh, please just stop talking about like donuts or whatever. Get to the topic. <laughs> but now I think I'll be more understanding since I'll be the one talking about donuts. Or, well, not donuts, but <laughs> yeah. So life as an audio engineer gets kind of funny when you're editing, but like at other times you're just kind of like, okay, when is this going to end? But um, it's really fun though. And you guys should join the podcast group, you know, little yeah, plug um, over there. <laughs> as the lead audio engineer, I'll be looking at the applications, but don't worry because you don't really need that much experience. I mean, I started editing with basically only iMovie school project editing experience which is actually I think pretty good because for school projects you're editing out like a lot of stuff oh yeah I can definitely relate to that so for me I think I just stumbled upon it on Instagram I was going through an insta org phase where I was just like following loads of installs and then I found like medicine and compass oh same like I remember when I got like accepted or whatever, I was like, okay, don't make fun of me, but I was like shopping um, with my mom. And then like, I suddenly get like this ping on my phone and I was just like, oh, what's this? And then I started jumping up and down and I was like, oh my gosh, I got it. I looked, I looked crazy, but I mean, I'm here. So Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I think my um, reaction is much more boring in comparison. I just checked my email and I was like, oh, that's cool. And I downloaded Slack. But then I was so impressed when, because I first joined as a committee member of um, optometry and dermatology and cardiology. So when we, I first joined and I saw their Google 
their Google folders. And it was like the most organized, neatest thing that I'd ever seen. And my brain, I think it just exploded because I was so impressed by how organized it was. So when I got upgraded to um, Podcast Initiative Curly, I've tried to do the same thing with our <laughs> podcast folder in Google Drive. Um, like same with Alyssa I like started off as a writer for cardiology pediatrics and I was an editor from oncology yeah and that was fun I think at first I was really scared to I think I was just this quiet person that just completed their work and like was just like I did my part I'm done with it and I didn't start to like come out of my shell a bit more until like the end of 2020, which is really weird to say because it's like doesn't feel like 2020 passed by. But like after that, I think I joined um, podcast. Fun fact, I was the guidance coordinator for a period of time for podcast and think that was like when I started to like come out of my shell and like talk to people because I was like really intimidated by like all these people who are so dedicated to medicine and I was kind of like am I doing enough like this is kind of scary but after that I think I started to come out of my shell more and I'm like much closer to everyone on board and Alyssa and I have fun conversations but we'll get to that later oh yeah (laughs) medicine for now yeah we're gonna like tease that for you until we get to like the um other bits of the podcast cliffhanger cliffhanger oh my wow. god oh when people imitate my accents too much it's amazing <laughs> it's my heart, my heart. <laughs> um let's move on to other bits about medicine so what made you interested in medicine in the first place do you have anything Oh, I do. I feel like I was born with like a doctor destiny. I mean, when my parents, they didn't give birth to a child, they gave birth to a tiny doctor because um, my grandfather was a doctor. My mom is a doctor. My dad is a doctor. So they really expect me to be third generation doctor. I think my two goals in life are to become third generation doctor and then have kids and train them to be fourth generation doctors. So like for when I was little, when I was little, my parents would ask me like, oh, do you want to be a garbage cleaner or a doctor? So those were the only two careers I knew. And every time I'd be like, doctor, doctor. It's basically like I've been influenced by like medicine a lot. So as I grew up, I kind of like came to see it more as, you know, a good profession because you can help people you know you can make money <laughs> it's like really interesting because you're always going to be busy as a doctor which I think is something I want to do because I don't just want to sit there and like type stuff or whatever and my parents like a lot of my friends they don't know that much about what their parents do but while I was growing up my parents always talked about what they were doing at work and their professions so I think I just have sort of like an interest that built built up over time and now I'm here at Medicine and Compass. Oh like that's so cool um for me I it's not like you with like three generations of doctors <laughs> oh. but yeah my parents are both nurses I kind of got to hear a lot of like oh my gosh, there was this person that had an appy and like this happened and this happened. And then I would just be like sitting there being, what's an appendectomy? What's a scapel? And like over time, I guess like my bedtime stories just became like weird like stories. Oh that my God, yes. Like, you know, I didn't grow up with like um Snow White or like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> like my parents like I wasn't even in the room but my parents be like oh my gosh there was this one patient and I was just and then I would just be there okay so I guess that's why people get mad when they do that or like that's what people are loopy after anesthesia oh when I did something like when I was eating too much chocolate instead of just saying oh that's bad for your health my mom would say well if you keep on doing that you're going to get high blood sugar and then you're going to develop diabetes then you'll have to inject insulin just like your grandparents and because your grandparents both have diabetes you know what that makes you at high risk oh my gosh I'm not gonna eat it anymore 
parents do that too. Yeah, and later on when I was older, I asked my mom why she did that, and she said it was partially just for fun. Like after a long day, she just relaxed by poking fun at me. Yeah, every time I feel, oh my gosh, mom, I think I'm freaking out. I think one point I was like, oh shoot, I think I'm sick, and then my mom was like, you have cancer, and I was like. Yeah, I have so many experiences of why that happened. But I think for both of us, we kind of just grew up around the field. And like, just over time, we grew a greater appreciation for the medical field. I have sat inside a hospital waiting for my parents to finish their job. So I would be sitting in the break room and just handing people like, saline or like me yeah some people are like oh they don't like a medicine hospital clinic smell whatever but I actually think it's pretty calming like it smells yeah it's so calming I like dude living inside the supply closet and the break room is my second home honestly um like just supplying things you know I'm already ready for residency I've got like (laughs) I know where everything is at the hospital. Oh my gosh, like my parents, whenever, yeah, whenever I'm late, they'll also be like, you know, when you're a doctor, if you're late like this, it's not going to be good for your patient. They're going to die. <laughs> yeah, like doctorhood has influenced every aspect of their parenting. That's so funny. Okay. Well, like, as you can see, our life stories are kind of weird and like, the the jokes just never yeah stop. even in my parents phones they don't even have each other as like husband and wife heart emoji it's dr um dr wong and i'll be like but you're married <laughs> my goodness i mean like for me i my mom used to scare me for like i'm taking you to the geriatric clinic or like i'm taking you to gi if you like disbelieve <laughs> because when I was little like I associated GI with like a lot of farting and bad smells so it was like I don't want to go there mom please and like I guess that's how she got me to behave (laughs) as long as one of your parents is part of the medical field your parenting style will not you will not be able to relate to someone when someone walks in like oh my gosh my parents said my my mom said you're sick okay sweetie you can stay home like or my mom comes out and she's gonna be like I'm gonna test your temperature (laughs) you can't lie like once when I was like one of my friends was like oh I pretended to be sick to get out of this and I was like hmm well I can't do that Yeah, it's like impossible. And even if you are sick, they're just going to be like, okay, I got you. This is your prescription. What are some stories that your parents have tried to scare you into believing? Like for me, you know, you know, the myth that if your hair, if you go to sleep with your hair wet. Oh my um, gosh. Yes. So much. My entire life. And and eventually I was just like, the only bad thing that will happen is my pillow will get wet. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, my parents would scare me and say that I would get cancer of the head. Um, that's not even a real... <laughs> when I was little, I used to hang my leg over the side of the bed. I, I literally don't know why. I guess I thought it was fun. I would do it all the time. And my mom eventually told me that I was cutting off blood flow to my leg. And I said, so? And then she pointed at my leg and she said, can't you see? It's turning blue. There's no blood. There's no oxygen. And I was like, no, but I, I could, I felt like I could see it turning blue. And then she's like, soon we'll have to amputate you. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then I never did it again. Yeah. Like the hair myth, literally my parents were saying, you're gonna get cancer the ha- you're gonna get head cancer if you don't do it and then now as I'm like older I'm just like bro that's not even medically accurate you know another funny story about me and medicine was that one day I decided I didn't even decide this I was like touring a bunch of international students from China and as I was walking down the stairs of my school I was walking backwards <laughs> not a smart decision but I did it and I fell on my ankle and I thought everything was fine. And I ran a mile with a sprained ankle because I didn't think it was sprained. And then at the end of the day, I decided, hey, you know, it's swelling a lot. I might as well go to the nurse. And then I go to the nurse and the nurse is like, dude, why did you go to PE? And I was just like, you know, I don't know. But I got out of um, Pacers the next day. So, Oh, what's Pacers? 
You don't know what pay okay. No, this, is, what is this? this is an American tradition of what Americans hate so much. Um, I don't know if you have standardized like PE testing. The pacer is where you have like a certain meter length and then it's just amount of times that you run back and forth. And I think oh, it just so the bleep test. That's what we call it at my school. That's it's called the bleep test. Yeah, but after the bleeps, I'm not actually sure if that's the formal name, but we all called it the bleep test. They only did like, it for us in like when we were in lower school, so like primary school, and then they stopped. Oh, we have to do it all the way in high school. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think it, we're talking about the same thing. Like you run and it's like ding. And you yeah. back what was your yeah. score <laughs> no no seriously I was the worst like in the whole year group um because I don't really try in PE um just hope no teachers are listening to this but I don't try that much in PE even though I'm in sports which is like kind of funny I'm in varsity softball but I think the I think I got like a 50 or something wait 57 okay we're not talking about the same test anymore because I got a (laughs) 2.7 I'm I am not fit but it's I'm not that unfit you know the highest score was like a 15 so I think we're talking about different tests I I think we're talking about a different test if we were talking about the same test though you would be the fastest person in the world (laughs) so buff you know (laughs) Do you have a specific doctor that you want to become? You know, cardiology, um, optometry, dermatology. And I think those are the three that are my top three to specialize in. My parents are both general practitioners, but I don't think that's what I want to do. I think I'd be more interested in sort of a more specialized position. So, you know, optometry. I actually have um, congenitally thick cornea. So I go to like yearly eye checkups to check on my eye pressure you know and make sure my eyeballs aren't about to explode basically and I really like the clinic there it's like so neat and very modern you know I think I would like to possibly work at somewhere like there you know and they have all of these high-tech machines that they use to check you know all sorts of eye stuff that's pretty cool for cardiology you know classic the heart is the most important organ so cardiology you know heart very interesting the heart is a pretty cool organ i mean it doesn't get cancer which is very interesting and for dermatology dermatology is kind of different from the previous two specialties because you don't need fine motor skills and i think that's actually pretty interesting because you know you'd be able to do it even if you you know got old and you had all the people coordination but and also for dermatology you can make quite a lot of money like people People always have skin issues. And another thing about dermatology is I think it's relatively more low risk. Like if you gave someone the wrong cream, maybe they'd come back with a rash, but they probably wouldn't die. But if I like stab their heart incorrectly, uh uh-oh, you know. Uh Uh-oh, yes, that's a pretty big uh uh-oh. But I think like personally why like I'm not really frightened or like scared about that just because like I think the gratification of helping someone with like that big of like a medical issue like outweighs the fear of messing up and then having to face like that certain type of consequence like I think it just out the gratitude outweighs the fear I think for me I said pediatric I said pediatric cardiology and on, I think I only said oncology because I was just interested in learning more about oncology in general. But for cardiology, <laughs> this is another um, medical professional moment where my mom said one day, hey, Megan, you seem like you should you could be a good cardiothoracic surgeon. So I was like, OK, so then I applied to be in the in the cardiology community. Yes, like when I was dissecting my fish. And then my mom was like, hmm, this is practice for surgery when you grow up. And, you know, I was dissecting them with my mom's medical school surgery kit because she's kept it preserved since, like, the 90s. It's, like, in such good condition as well. And then whereas I have, like, one notebook for a school year and at the end it's destroyed. Yeah, that's that's the story of my life, honestly. (laughs) So I think I chose the cardiology committee originally was just because of that medical mom influence 
saying that, hey, you might be interested in cardiothoracics because you have like such steady hands. You like working around like small, you like working and doing minute details because I write really small. <laughs> I write really small and I I end up being the one doing all the dissections for my group. Like no one wants to touch it yeah. except for me. It's so weird. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, if you don't like the feeling, just put on an extra pair of gloves. And I ended up helping um, one of my classmates dissect his cow eye. But the thing is, I would say stuff like, oh, look, this is your lens. And then and then he'd be like, stop saying this is my lens. This is not my eye. It's, it's the cow's eye. <laughs> I think I did that with a sheep's brain. <laughs> like, this is your hypothalamus. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, but I think that's why I did, I chose cardiology in the first place. But then pediatrics was the main thing that I wanted to get into for was just because I've always wanted to be a pediatrician. Actually, in the very beginning, when my mom asked me, what did I want to be? I said doctor. But then she was, she asked me, what kind of doctor? And I said, oh, cardiologist. <laughs> There's no logic or reasoning to why I said cardiologist. And my younger voice version of me is interesting, but I said cardiologist, but I didn't know what a cardiologist did. Yeah, I just heard her say cardiologist and I said, yeah, I'm gonna be a cardiologist. But then as I grew older, I realized I liked working around little children and just like helping them around. So I wanted to go into pediatrics as a pediatrician. But then as time passed, I realized I preferred working with like babies more. So I think I'd rather become a neonatologist. And that was like the reason why I wanted to join pediatrics. But then as I had more time in the surgery committee, I realized how much more that I prefer cutting into things. <laughs> I like dissections a lot, okay? That's not something, I'm not a serial killer. I'm not a murderer. I just like cutting into things. Like dissections are fun for me. And I don't get, Sure, I get annoyed by the smell of formaldehyde. The actual action of like doing the dissection doesn't bug me. It's kind of cool because like you get to see the different body parts and like anatomy is pretty fun. So after I joined surgery, I came to like the better conclusion where I was, I thought, hmm, I like pediatrics helping with kids and I like, uh, I like anatomy and I like helping people and cutting into dissections. I like doing it. So let's mesh them too. And a mesh of those two things results into pediatric surgery, which is now what I want to do. As we've talked about life, why don't we talk about our favorite organ of the body? I know this is a really weird segue, but what is your favorite organ of the body? Probably the skin, because it just covers, well, it covers all of you. Yeah, it's our largest organ. Adults have eight pounds or 3.6 kg of it. Wow, 22 square feet slash two square meters. That's a lot of skin. Dang, I wish we transferred to the metric system. Oh, for me, I think that my favorite organ of the body, not to be cliche, but the brain. Oh, uh, the classic <laughs> brain. Yeah, I, you know, the two options of being the most cliche was the brain or the heart. I think I know. Brain. I was thinking she's going to say heart. And then you said brain. I was like, oh, a plot twist. Uh, I just think it's super cool that like the brain and like the central nervous system is like controlling and making sure that your hand is doing this. Like my brain said, yes, Megan, move your hand. Woo. Ooh, yeah, like we were learning about the central nervous system in school and we had this test for like to test your reflexes with the ruler and depending on where you grabbed the ruler when you dropped it, that would tell you how good your reflexes are. The thing is, when I dropped the ruler, it fell entirely through my hand and I only gripped like this once it hit the ground. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not even on the scale for like how good your reflexes are because my reflexes are this bad. Oh, that's fun. I don't know. I feel like my reflexes should be good because I'm in sports, but I don't yeah. think they are. They're actually pretty bad, but that's a story for another time. Continuing on with the organ idea, what is your favorite organelle? Or like what organelle would you be and why? I would be the semi-permeable membrane because sometimes I can be permeable, but then sometimes I'm not. <laughs> and also, you know, water, like osmosis, all that water coming in and out, I feel like that would probably be very relaxing, you know, kind of like, I don't know, a constant 
jacuzzi. I was gonna be really basic and say a vacuole just because I can eat all the time. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say like the nucleus because that's like the brain of the cell. So let's talk a bit about life, right? Let's learn more about Alyssa. And what I want to bring up is if you don't follow Alyssa, and I don't know if she's comfortable sharing her Instagram. She oh, I'm very account. comfortable. Follow my Barbie account. Totally special <laughs> Barbie. I post every single day. Sometimes I even post medical-related things. Watch out for my dentist Barbie and pediatrician Barbie posts. Yes, but we're going to be talking about Barbies later. But the question I wanted to ask is, how is your fish? Do- how are your fish doing? Because oh she, likes to- she likes to post updates about her fish and their current status. My fish. I love my fish. You know, I consider my fish to be an extended biological experiment. You know, once I suggested to my mom that I wanted to be a marine biologist, you know, I thought, you know, it's still biology related. It's still, well, it's not medicine. And she just looked at me, she was like, and I was like, okay, I just committed high treason. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. But honestly, after cleaning my fish tanks 200 times, I don't think I want to do this for the rest of my life. My fish, the thing about my fish is I have so many. I have like 200, no, 150 to 200 adult fish and about 100 or 200, maybe even more, 300 baby fry. I used to have even more. And then the tank turned toxic. The entire tank turned toxic. It killed my like 1,000 fry. But, you know, they give they give birth really quickly. Like each mother fish gives birth to 40 fry once a month. So the farm grew back quickly. But I never figured out why the water turned toxic. I did pH tests. pH was neutral. <laughs> I like isolated the water, tested it again. They died again. Then I cleaned the tanks with like wet wipes. I tried them out in the sun. I got water sources from all over. Like I got water sources from the garden, from from the bathroom, from the shower head, and I tested them all, and I made sure that it was in neutral containers, like identical containers. I used control variables. I was so accurate. And then at the end, all of that I figured out was for some reason the glass tank kills them. The big plastic tank used to kill them, but now it doesn't, and all the water is normal again. So that was useless. <laughs> And then recently it turned toxic again. And this time I finally figured out it was never to do with the water. It was always the tanks. But I don't know why the tanks spontaneously turned toxic. That's a mystery for another experiment. That's fun. Um, At least you applied your scientific principles that you have learned all throughout your years of science. Your biology teacher would be so proud of you. So that is Alyssa's story on her fish. If you want to hear more about her toxic fish tank go follow her instagram yeah now all our credits <laughs> and instagram accounts are linked in the description of the episode <laughs> yeah so now that we've talked about some fun topics about life and Alyssa's life my life is pretty boring compared to Alyssa's because I'm sure your life is really interesting <laughs> if you don't have fish yeah I don't have any pets you know I'm kind of just sitting here over in California just kind of chilling you know life is okay I guess I don't know (laughs) I don't have any fun stories to tell on this podcast because like the fish kind of stole all the spotlight right there what's California like because my uncle used to live in California and when I visited him he had like a garden of fruits but the thing is the grass was all like dead and it was (laughs) and there there were fruits but I didn't understand how they were growing because the leaves were all brown and it was like I was like huh this is a dry state. Oh, it is quite dry. You know, I actually live in the area of California that is like beaches. Ooh, Cali, you know, that Cali girl. I'm a Cali girl and I don't have a Valley girl accent. I was kind of just exaggerating it right there. But California is rich, but does not have enough water. Even though we should be trying to invest in more um desert desert plants you know we still like our green lawns and fruits so that kind of explains why your uncle has like fruits and then dead grass because California is a bit interesting especially if you move like towards LA 
the difference between the Bay Area, which is San Francisco, compared to LA and all of the beachy areas is really different. Like in the Bay Area, everyone is super competitive. Like they they're super competitive over there just because all of the colleges and like universities there are like, you know, um, I don't know if you guys know, but Stanford's over there as well. Yes, I know that. So all of those really amazing Ivy, not Ivy League schools are over there. So we have all of those like very competitive kids and they're also pretty rich. So that's a pretty rich area as well. And then you hop on down over to the beachy side of California and we have all of the artists, you know, we have the singers, the actors. Oh, uh, Hollywood Hills, is that there? Hollywood Hills. I actually, have I been to Hollywood Hills? I don't know. I wouldn't even, I don't even know much of the tourist locations. I just know where to avoid and what times to not go to that area. Oh, insider knowledge here, guys. Yeah, I know when to not go to LA, what times not to go to LA. But yeah, (laughs) it's pretty interesting. And I wouldn't consider myself as someone who truly knows California. So I don't really think I can answer your question that well. But I mean, California is California. There's a bunch of different sides of California. I guess it just depends where you go to. Like Disneyland is pretty big. Like for my school, since I live in California, I don't know if there's Hong Kong equivalent. Oh, there is a Hong Kong Disneyland. It's my childhood. Oh, wait, there's a Hong Kong Disneyland? Yeah, how could you not know Hong Kong Disneyland? Oh, my God. Oh, wait, isn't that the one with, like, isn't that... Oh, wait, you guys have the cooler rides than, like, Disneyland. This is just the original over here. You guys have the, like, fancy, high-tech version. Yeah, they did a huge um, Toy Story and Star Wars update. That's amazing. Yeah, there's not that much updates over here except for, like, Star Wars. And I saw the entire construction, by the way, from start to finish you know, drive past it, we see things get built. It was interesting. Um, Yeah, Yeah, but Hong Kong Disney is more empty now because we're competing with Shanghai Disney. So previously (laughs) the mainland visitors would come here. Now they're going to Shanghai. So when I went back in like, back back when Shanghai Disney first opened, it was so empty. And that was pretty great because the lines were so much shorter. But I haven't been back since COVID. Yeah, well, I mean, I have bumped into like stars randomly though. Like that's yeah. like the California dream. Who did you bump into? Um, like my friend is neighbors with John Stamos. I don't know if you know who that is, but no, <laughs> who is he? Oh, um, do you have Nickelodeon? <laughs> Plays Uncle Jesse in Full House. But you know, I try to avoid that area. Most of the stars don't even live in Hollywood, which I find really funny. They all live in Huntington Beach. Um, But yeah. Now that we've talked a bit about our life, let's talk a bit about some medically related topics. So anything medically related happened to you lately, Alyssa? Yes. Yesterday I went to the dentist and I know you can't see this obviously in the podcast, but I got my braces off. Well, I have, I have the wires at the back of my teeth now to keep them like in place. And then next week, I'm going to go to collect my night retainer. But my teeth are all nice and neat. Do you see them? Yes, they're super neat. I have Invisalign, so ah. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't have wires, which is a blessing and a curse, I guess. I don't know. I couldn't get the Invisalign because my teeth were just so messed up. Like when I was little, and I would wait until um, my teeth were almost rotting and falling off and they were just hanging on by like a bit of meat. So that led to my teeth being really wonky and growing in all awkwardly. Like I had one tooth that grew in up here and it was just stuck up there. So I was like a vampire, but not the cool kind. <laughs> just the kind that needed braces. Well, that's a bit fun. Uh, for me? Oh, wait. Okay, I have some fun fact about me. This is not medically approved or whatever. But if I start talking for a long period of time, I start to slip in a British accent. I don't even know why. Like, it's so weird. It's really random. For a 
here's something medically related happened to me. I was doing a forum on COVID-19 in the Philippines and it was an hour long. I was doing like an hour long presentation. And once I hit the 30 minute mark, I think I started going crazy. And I started started talking like, okay, so now we're going to be talking about viral samples of COVID-19. So as you can see, there is AstraZeneca and then there is other parts there are other different types of vaccines going out in the world with a certain efficacy rate. And then my parents were in the next room. And like, once I finished the forum, they were like, Megan, why are you talking in a British accent? It's quite strange. Maybe that is a medical condition. We'll never know. We'll never know. But yeah, I just find it really strange. I couldn't even do a proper British accent until like two summers ago. And then I just started, whenever I have a presentation that lasts more than 20 minutes, I start slipping. I don't even know why, but I guess we'll never know. Let's talk about a little interesting medical topic that I wanted to bring up because fun fact to our listeners out there, this was a very impromptu interview. Oh, (laughs) we scheduled it? Then we immediately started the Zoom meeting. Yes, we scheduled. So a little background information. Alyssa was sending out an announcement and I had this like amazing idea. And I was and I said, I quote, you should do an in. I was saying this to the podcast host. I was like, you should do an interview with Alyssa and get her talking about Barbies and Shadow and Bone. Um, We'll get to that part in a second. We'll get to that part in a second. And then Alyssa responded really quickly. And she was like, I'd have to link it to medicine because as we know, it's a medical podcast. And then she started talking about what we talked about here. And I, and then I, so what happened was Alyssa responded really quickly and said, I have to relink it to medicine. And then she came up with this amazing idea of relating it to her fun, interesting Barbie segment, which we're going to go into. But anyways, after that, I DM'd her and I said, oh, hey, can I be a podcast host for an episode? And then she was like, yes, of course. And then I had the amazing idea of thinking, oh my gosh, can I interview you? And then Alyssa said, yes. But then um, I had to transfer all of her times that she was available (laughs) to Pacific Coast time and as you all know, Hong Kong is quite a bit of distance. Yes, and the time did of- not work out. At one point, um, Megan said, oh, no, I can't do that time. It's 3, it's 3 a.m. for me. And I said, okay, what about this time? And I thought this time would be like later in the morning when she would be awake, but it wasn't. It was midnight. And then we realized, wait, we're both online now, you know, why not record now? Yes, and then she sent me a Google Doc titled Fun. Season two interview plan from one Megan. So, and here we are today. So this is the genius birth child of this entire conversation. And it was the accuracy of Dr. Barbie. And if there are any benefits to a heart-shaped stethoscope. So, Alyssa. Simply put, no. Dr. Barbies are never very accurate. I mean, they're always very stereotypical. I'm a doctor. Here's my coat. And she also carries this um, big white case of all her medical equipment and her and a red cross on her, of course. And then there's the heart-shaped stethoscope. There are no benefits to a pink heart-shaped stethoscope. I don't think the shape helps you, but it's cute, you know? It's cute. Would you invest in a heart-shaped stethoscope when you become a doctor? I don't think people would take me seriously, but I would definitely do it if they if they didn't ju- if they didn't judge. I think it's a very bold fashion statement for the Barbie stethoscope with the heart. <laughs> I think it's a bold fashion statement, but like you said, I don't think it will be good in any ward except the pediatrics ward. But yeah, is there any other Barbies that have a specific comment about the medical field. There's dentist Barbie. I have the Asian dentist Barbie. And I really like how they're doing more diversity with the Barbie lineup. Before it was just copy and paste, same blonde Barbie. But now they're they're diversifying, which is nice. And 
Asian dentist Bobby, she comes with some dentist stuff. It's like, she's clearly not about to extract any teeth. I think this is more like for a casual checkup. And she comes with this very cute little girl doll who has a cavity. All the doctor and dentist Barbies come with children to treat, which obviously that makes sense for the pediatrician Barbie, which they call baby Dr. Barbie, because obviously kids think, I don't think they can spell pediatrician. So baby Dr. Barbie, of course she'll, you know, she'll come with two babies. But does dentist Barbie only check up on children? You know, adults, like, they go to get wisdom teeth removed. It's always a child that Dr. Barbie is treating. And I feel like that's just kind of playing into maternal stereotypes. I mean, what if Barbie wants to work in geriatrics? What if she wants to work in an old age home but nobody wants to make a grandma barbie they'll only give you a tiny cute little kid barbie i think a grandma barbie would be cool okay so i actually kind of agree with you that like maybe they should stop putting so many children inside the barbie dolls (laughs) yeah it would be cool to see barbie treating you know an adult doll you know Maybe Ken's injured, Barbie's going to treat him. So I've already mentioned this, but if you want to see more Barbie content, follow me on Totally Special Barbie on Instagram. Yes, he needs the followers, guys. (laughs) Hey, I have like, I have a good amount of followers. I just always want more, okay? He wants more followers. Or you can follow her main and learn about her fish stories. (laughs) Speaking of Instagram... Let's talk about how we make most of our conversations since we don't usually use our work software. Uh, we usually, at Medicine Encompass, we usually use Slack, but when we are talking about a little more estranged conversations, Alyssa and I hop on over to lovely old Instagram. So, Alyssa, would you like to talk about one of our amazing conversations? Oh, yes, the shadow and burn teaser poster that they released of Alina standing there yes. the bold. oh my god I like as soon as I saw that I knew that they a had a way higher budget than I thought and b it was just going to be amazing and then the trailer came out oh my god and it's related to medicine okay it's related to medicine because we're going to talk about some of the science stuff with the small science stuff yes we are so just a little premise about what we're talking about in case you do not follow shadow and bone or you should you should read the series really it gets better yeah it gets better from the first and in case you don't know this series that we are talking about is called shadow and bone and it is by lee bardugo i believe it is three books there's the original grisha trilogy which follows alina she's a hmm interesting well boring character I'll be honest. She's a character. She's a yeah. character. But then, and then we have oh, we have the amazing series, which I believe is way better than the original. Oh, so much better. Okay. I was looking in my head at the improvement, and I was like, oh my god. I love the series. You should check it out. Uh, it's we both uh, we both approve. Go yeah. read it. Amazing. It's Crooked Kingdom and Six of Crows. It's so a the order. Book. Flip the flip the order though, and it is about the crows. Same universe, but the characters don't interact. That's going to change in the show though. In the show, they're combining the storylines, which is going to be like so interesting. Oh my god, we we really love that series, and we were really geeking out about it, and we wanted to talk about it. So here we are. We both really love this series so much, and we did notice that there are a lot of science concepts within the series despite it being such a action-packed fantasy series and I will let Alyssa talk about this for a bit because she got into some philosophical thought and scientific explanations for a part of this series and in case you haven't read it I guess this is kind of your spoiler warning but yeah well, I think scientific explanation is an overstatement, but okay. So you know how there's heart renders and they can sort of like control people's bodies, heal them, but mostly they use it to like explode their organs or whatever because they're like the fighters. And then there's the healers who do like the healing stuff. And when they're on Jerda, is that how you say it? I just read the books. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't read okay. them out loud. Okay. So when they're on Jerda Perem, which is this drug that enhances their abilities, they can basically do mind control. And I was just thinking about that. And I was like, 
how does that work? Like, is that possible in neurology to literally mind control? I think like maybe they're able to like manipulate like how the nerves connect with in like inside the brain and just like reroute the like maybe it's like they mess with like the body's inner electricity. This is this is a reach. But yeah, no, I think it might be possible. I've Googled it and yeah, it says electronic brain controlling could be in the future. Yeah. Oh hmm. mm. I think it's just that they have like the ability to like control like the nerve endings inside the brain and then just reroute them using electricity and like rerouting the brain when you like you know how all like the nerve endings will like attribute to different movements of the body and things like that I think that maybe they would just like reroute it how they want to yeah so the other more sciencey order of the Grisha is the like the fabricators who basically control inorganic matter which is kind of weird like at one point you know they can be like a human magnet and sort of attract iron it's more scientific based science based I think. but the most magical order is the Etherilki. i think again saying it wrong but basically they're just magic they control fire they control water they control the wind it's just magic yeah honestly i think going back on the fabricators I think something that we could apply to that is Avatar, like the last airbender. Oh yeah, I haven't actually seen Avatar. <gasps> Sorry. Julie would like, oh <laughs> yeah, Julie, uh, you guys know her. She is our president of Medicine Encompassed as well as one of our podcast hosts, but she really loves Avatar. So shout out to Julie. But I think a concept we can apply to the fabricators is earth bending metal bending where like they have the ability to control and bend the earth because there are like pieces of the earth within the metal but if there is like no presence of like metal no presence of the earth within the metal they can't bend it so I think that can be like applied to the fabricators in like a sense yeah I think that would work but Um, This also reminds me of, you know, X-Men powers, which are meant to be from um, genetic mutations. We actually had a worksheet in biology that we did recently where we had to calculate, oh, you know, if storms, lightning powers are a recessive gene and and she has kids with this person, then, oh, will the kids, what are the chances of the kids having superpowers? Which is so much better than mine. When we did mutations, she was just like, here's the sickle cell gene. If one parent has sickle cell and the other one doesn't, and it's a heterozygous allele, what is the probability of the child having it? It's so boring. You get, you guys get the interesting ones. <laughs> yeah, the thing about that workshop was I was thinking about that, and I was like, hmm, but can you have a genetic mutation that makes you be able to control the weather? I mean, some of these mutations that the X-Men have are just straight up magic. Like, there's no gene that you could change that would give you the ability to control the weather, I'm pretty sure. I mean, some of, like, the mutations might be possible. I mean, that w- I would say more, it would, like, contribute more to, like, gene splicing rather than gene mutations. Like, if we splice, if we figure out a way to splice the human genome with, like, an animal, yeah. I think it's more likely to happen. An animal that controls the weather. An animal that controls the weather. You know, maybe it's in the ocean, you know? You know Domino from Deadpool 2? Her power is meant to be being lucky. And technically it's manipulating probability fields. But I don't think there's no gene that does that. There's no gene. That is just a logical explanation. Yes, it's plain magical. But other than that, I think that is where we have like come to the conclusion about shadow and bone and the science behind it, because we really wanted to talk about this. All right, oh, we had some theories. Everything. We had some theories. This was the basis of this entire conversation. It was our theories of shadow and bone and our excitement for it. Because I'm an avid Kaz and Inej shipper. I really love. They're so cute together. And when they got to, when like he finally made like a move at the very end of like the duology, I was like, yeah, let's go. 
And when the series is, when I saw the trailers and the teasers, I was freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, he has the cane. And the fedora, which I do not want. The cane has my full appreciation. But if you guys want to check it out, you guys really should. You have time to finish the series before it comes out on Netflix. (laughs) So you guys should read it. Okay, so now that we've talked a bit about Shadow and Bone, you can see that we both really love to read, we both really love medicine, and we both really love science and having a bunch of different theories about a bunch of different things. And that is us. We are your behind the stage crew. We are your backstage passage into what life is like on two sides of the globe and what life is like as a person in Medicine and Compass. So that about wraps it all up. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and all of our socials, which will be linked down in the description. And thank you guys so much. This has been your backstage pass into what life is like as a podcast audio engineer. Life on two sides of the globe. Life as people with medical parentage and this has been your unique passage into what life is like as two people who love reading and love being in medicine encompassed so thank you guys so much for listening and i'll see you sometime visit our website medicineencompass.org or our link tree to learn more about our organization If you would like to suggest a topic to our team or be a featured guest on the Medicine Encompass podcast, please email us at podcast at medicineencompass.org. Remember to follow us on Spotify and Instagram at the Medicine Encompass podcast so you never miss an episode. Have a great day! Cover art by Angela Liu. Produced and edited by Alyssa Wong. Produced on Anchor 